Today on the Missions Podcast, what does it mean to live life overflowing in ministry? I think really what God is looking for, the people that he's giving this well done to are those that are allowing him to flow through them. One of the, the biggest talent that he's given to us, the biggest treasure that he's given to us to invest is the gospel. Kyle Ferran, regional director with ABWE, joins us. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Communications with ABWE, joined by my very good friend, Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. Scott, I was driving on the road today and I was thinking about our kind of moniker that we have with the show. You know, we always say we explore hard questions on missions and theology and practice. We never actually claim to answer any of them. Is that a problem? (laughs) I think that's actually wisdom on our part that we're not trying to answer necessarily. We we do try to answer questions, but um, I don't think at least we can say, hey, we never promised that you're going to get an answer. We just said we would explore it. Right. Scott's curious about all of them. I want the hard answers. I want it in writing. <laughs> You're just curious. I love exploring people who are smarter than me's minds and uh, getting their thoughts on it. So I love being able to talk to people who we know who are farther ahead of us on lots of different things. And mm. I'm excited about our interview today. I think we're talking to another guy who I've learned a lot from over the years and I think has something great to share with us today. Uh, don't we, Alex? Yes, our good friend, Kyle Ferran. Um, Kyle has served with ABWE and his family together in South Africa doing AIDS ministry. They served in Tanzania uh, and currently they're living in Lisbon, Portugal. Kyle is our regional director for Western Europe. Uh, and of course, we're going to talk about none of that today, uh, at least directly. Is that, isn't that right? <laughs> so welcome to the show, Kyle. We're glad to have you here and uh, thank you so much. And uh, we know we know Lisbon's a beautiful place, so um, don't don't rub it in on us too much. <laughs> I will I will try not to. We do enjoy it here, though. You've got a new book out that we really want to encourage people to pick up and read, and it's a blessing. It's called Overflowing Ministry and Missions That Flow from the Heart. And right in the beginning, I, you start writing right in the introduction about the tension between being still before the Lord and being busy in ministry. And it, I, as I read that, I was thinking about the first time you and I met, I was a assistant pastor in Michigan, you and your wife and little kids were getting ready to go to Africa to work with AIDS victims. And um, it was challenging and encouraging and, and your life has been busy in service for the Lord. And all of us that know you praise the Lord for that. And really we, we, we expect missionaries yeah. to be to be busy in, in in serving the Lord. So what I want to just give you an opportunity to talk about that. What is behind the pressure that missionaries feel to be busy? And is that a, a bad tension? I mean, is that a tension between being still and being busy? And what what do you see as a remedy for this, especially as you kind of lay it out in your book? Yeah, it's a great question. There is a healthy pressure to to being working hard that we should want to have. Uh, and, that, and that comes from a desire to be pleasing the Lord. We want to please him. We want to hear well done. Uh, we want to see God glorified through our life. So, and we're called to work hard for the Lord. We're not called to be lazy uh, or have a wasted life. So that there is a, a pressure there. That's a good pressure 
that causes us to work hard. And I think the, the unhealthy part of it would be when it switches over and moves over to this drive just to be <clears throat> busy and to just fill up every single part of our day and just to push and to push and to push when we can't stop to be still before the Lord. Mm. When our prayer life, when we're not able to take time in our prayer life to just be still and know that he is God and to prioritize that prayer or to feel that, oh, I'm not out doing something right now. I can't take too much time for prayer because that doesn't seem as productive to me in ministry. So I think those are a couple, couple areas there. And just even in our busyness, too, it can shift also to, to be an area of pride. To, to always be busy. You know, when you talk to someone on the street, you're like, hey, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy right now. Well, it's kind of like this badge of honor in our society that if we're, if we're mm -hmm. busy, we must be really important or uh, we must be doing something significant because if we're not busy, that means our work isn't important. And so we can, we can kind of wear it as this badge of honor. And I think even as missionaries, you feel this additional pressure as you're reporting back to people you want to be able to share, hey, this is what we're doing. And that's, there's a good tension there. You want to be able to be serving the Lord and being faithful. But there's also this can shift to an unhealthy pressure there as well to feel like you have to always be doing, doing, doing. And I really just felt that a lot, especially early on in ministry, just that I felt like I always just had to be going, going, going. And I wouldn't slow down. Uh, even when I was out playing with my kids, I'm like learning Zulu words and I'm playing with my kids. And I look back on that and uh, realize just how much pressure I put on myself to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this, that desire to do that. It, it pushes us on and on and on. And we actually begin to then start um, evaluating how we're living our life based on our busyness. And so that's, I think, where it really crosses the line where we, we evaluate our effectiveness by our busyness mm. uh, rather than by our heart, which is yeah. what the book is all about. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true, especially the pride that slips in there. And yet at the same time, there is this ambition and this drive that should motivate a missionary because, and this is one of the things that you write about early on, which frankly, convicted me and reminded me of our previous conversation with Elliot Clark on the show a couple of weeks ago about mm. mission affirmed and Paul's desire, our desire to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. So we want to hustle. We want to make sure that we hear that well done. So you, you do challenge our assumptions about who's going to hear that well done. Who's going to hear that? Well, I think what's as we look through scripture, just looking at the examples of who God has over and over just said or used through scripture. I think that's um, one of the things that really challenged and encouraged me looking at the servants that God has chosen to use. You see that he's looking at our, at our heart far more than he's looking at our ability, far more than he's looking at how much we're doing for him. Because in reality, what are we really doing for God? We're literally an empty vessel that he's filling and he's using it as he wants to. So what he's really looking for 
is useful vessels, vessels that are going to be able to be used for his glory and for his honor. And so he wants people that aren't going to get in the way of mm-hmm. him working through them. And that's really what God's looking for. He's, he's looking for people whose hearts are fully open to his power and to him working through them, to him changing them so that they can be a light as he pours himself through them. Uh, he's not looking at our abilities or our actions. We, sh- we should be working hard, but that, that hard work, as we see, as Paul says over and over again, we work in the strength of the spirit. It's not this energy that we produce or this uh, abilities that we have just to keep pushing and pushing. Uh, it's, it's done in the strength of the spirit. And so I think really what God is looking for, the people that he's giving this well done to it are those that are allowing him to flow through them. And it, that passage there would also coincide with uh, where it talks about the, the talents that he's given to, to people and how they've used them. I mean, one of the, the biggest talent that he's given to us, the biggest treasure that he's given to us to invest is the gospel. And as we're investing the gospel and planting those seeds of the gospel, that is uh, what is going to be bearing fruit for, uh, for our reward. So this, there's this continuing metaphor throughout the book of water. I mean, it's, it's obvious from the cover, it's obvious from the, even the title. And throughout the book, you build on that. You expand it from, from talking about the, the flow and the spring and the current and eventually getting on to some other things. But you describe God's plan using this metaphor of how God's working and flowing. And I would love you to just take a little bit of time to kind of unpack that metaphor. Um, how does that kind of form the central theme of the book? And um, please just explain that a little bit to us. Yeah, so in thinking about you know, trying to fit all these uh, parts together, this, this metaphor of, of, of a spring that then flows into a, a stream bed and, uh, and then flows out into an oasis is kind of the, the big picture. So this, the spring is, is God. Uh, the spring is, is, is he's the fountain of living waters. Everything we have Everything we are, everything that is created, everything that is, has, it comes from God. And so just like a spring comes out of un, from underground, God is like this eternal spring that is continually flowing. And everything we have, everything we are, it comes from him. And because of that, we exist for him. We exist for his glory. So he is the one that should be the one that is preeminent above all things. Our life exists for him. And so that's the first part of the illustration is just unpacking the spring that's all of everything we do exists for him. And then the second part is the stream bed. And the stream bed is, is us. We are like a dry, empty stream bed. And if we're not connected to the spring, we run dry. We have nothing to offer anyone else that doesn't flow from God. And so in our life and ministry, if we're not staying connected to that spring, we have nothing to offer anyone. We can't minister out of an empty stream. And so that's, that's why in our life, putting a great importance on our relationship with God and in worship of him, that, that personal worship. Uh, and that's how we, our life is filled so that we actually have something to spill over to other people. So that's the second part. And the third part is looking at barriers. And um, 
I think this is actually the part that really even just kind of started me on this process of, of writing this book. And the idea of barriers is just like if you were to have a stream and you were to dump a bunch of trash and rocks and junk in the, in the mouth of the stream, it's going to dam the water up and that water's not going to be able to flow through there well, or it's just going to be like a trickle coming through there. And in our life, when we allow sin, when we allow pride and uh, disbelief, unbelief to get into our life, it hinders that flow of God's power, his work through our lives. We, we get in the way of that. And it really hinders our ability to be faithful in ministry, to be used by God in ministry, because we're kind of getting in the way of him flowing through us. Mm. And then the last part is uh, the oasis. And this, this really comes from our time in Africa. Uh, I never actually made it there, but there's this amazing wildlife reserve up in Botswana called the Okavanga Delta. And the Okavanga Delta is, I think it's the only place in like it in the world where a river literally runs into the middle of a desert and it stops. And every year that river floods and it turns that desert into one of the most amazing game reserves in the world where animals come from hundreds of miles to find water and life and replenishment there. And that's what our life is like when we allow God to flow through us and overflow from us because all around us is like a desert, a spiritual desert. And when Christ fills us and overflows from us, other people can come to us and find uh, that life that, um, that they need in God. And so that's, that's kind of the, the nutshell version of the book, the, of the picture there of uh, what yeah, God's really challenged me with there in looking at how we should live our life, how we should minister, that ministry mm-hmm. should be that overflow of the heart. Yeah. And Kyle, I, I love that. That's beautiful. I don't think there's a single person listening that would say, I don't want that for my life. The encouragement that I would give listeners is that you pick up so many of these sort of Christian devotional self-help books, and they're all about you. And this is not that. Uh, it's very God-centric, I think, that comes out in your answers. And it comes out because you're influenced a lot by John Piper. And and you quote him a lot of the time, but also it's just implicit. And you're talking about how how God exists for his own glory in that uh, he rightly draws attention and focus to that which is most supremely valuable in existence, which is himself. That's very imperfect creaturely language. And I think I accidentally committed two or three heresies while I was saying that. But that idea that um, <laughs> that, that that God is at the center in, in all of those sorts of things. And and we're only filled if we're we're resonant with him in that way. Now, that Piper quote that we always go back to in the missions world is where he says that missions exists because worship doesn't. That's what he starts out by saying at the beginning of let the nations be glad. Uh, and, and he unpacks that as saying it's because the peoples of the world aren't worshiping, right, that, that we go out on mission. Okay, so missions is temporary in this age, whereas worship lasts forever. And many of us are familiar with that. We understand that. Uh, you apply that in a little bit of a different way, though, and it's a way that we I I think forget to do so. Uh, It's also about the missionary himself or herself worshiping and starting out of a heart of worship. Can you unpack that at all? Yeah, that is such an important part. It's when you think about that, the illustration kind of going to the part of the stream bed where the the stream is filled with that water. That's really the part where this fits in there. And worship is what fills us with God. 
as we take time to be still and know that he is God, our hearts are just filled with, with who he is. And then when our mouth speaks, it comes from the overflow of the heart. It's, it's not just a regurgitation of some facts we have or using a, a gospel track or something like that. It's, it really is a f- an overflow of our heart and God flowing through our words and our life. Because it's easy to be like the Pharisees, to honor him with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And then the same thing is true for us as it was for the Pharisees. If we do ministry like that, if we do ministry that's not an overflow of worship, we're going to get the same response they did. In vain do they worship me or in vain do they serve me? If our service is not an overflow of our hearts, what is it an overflow of? Just the will, uh, the head. And that that doesn't honor God because when we're calling other people to come and to, to worship God, and we ourselves are not in awe of who he is, what does that say about God? I mean, it makes God look like some taskmaster, like oh, we're, just, we're just some minions that are doing his, his bidding. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't honor him. It doesn't glorify God as the all-supreme, all-satisfying being of the universe. But when we are ministering out of a heart of worship, when, when that's the priority of our life first, and we're filled with that, with, with worship and filled with God and lost in awe of who he is, and then sharing that with other people out of the heart as it spills over from us, that makes God look great. Mm. And so if we, if we don't prioritize worship and instead prioritize work, it makes God look really, really small. It doesn't make him look satisfying. It doesn't make mm. him look great. Yeah. So by prioritizing that worship, though, it shines the spotlight on his greatness, on mm. his goodness, that he is not just uh, the creator, but he is, he's a good God and we, and we love him. Yeah. And so I think that the worship, it fuels us by just giving us an excitement and a passion to be able to share, but it also glorifies God in a way that we, we need to do. Uh, to help him be seen as great. Mm. Uh, now, when I say help him be seen, uh, we're not helping God out, but uh, it, it allows him to be seen as as good and great as we do that before others. That's very uh, Piper language. Uh, people say Kyperian about Abraham Kuyper. I'm going to say Piperian. That's very that's very Piperian language, right? About how we make. Now God we can say look. that's very Ferranian. That's very Ferranian language. Ferranian or Ferranian? I think uh, I think the jury's oh, out potato, on the potato. Potato. Yeah, <laughs> that's very Ferranian of you. I'm sure that there's a lot of times I actually actually quote something that he said that I don't even realize I'm quoting it. So uh, <laughs> if I if I do that. Uh, yeah, I, I love that whole point about how it makes God look, because this is something that social media does. You can always tell what's most important to a person, right? By, by mm. looking at them, by looking at their life, you know, looking at their feed, if you want to go there with the image that they construct. And that's true for the missionary as well. Uh, if believers or unbelievers looking on are are seeing that work and, and activity is the most important thing to that missionary, that's going to say something about their message as well. Not that there's just purely a practical motive for that. The motive is to know God. But there there is a, a practical result, which is that people see that, okay, th- this person is just focused on the output and on the work. And so one of the other things that you talk about is that sin is, is a barrier in our lives, obviously. And we know that sin is a barrier to God's working through us. We all know that in theory, 
I think in principle, that's it's actually a really challenging concept, right? To give an analogy, I think of when Peter writes to dwell for husbands to dwell with their wives according to knowledge or or in an understanding way, uh, lest their prayers be hindered, right? That's one of those passages where you think like, oh, what does it mean that that's something in my life that's kind of a, a an ordinary sin that's easy to fall into is is going to hinder my prayers? Like, my, are my prayers bouncing off the ceiling now? What does that mean? And, and in the same way you talk about, we we are hindered when there's sin in our lives as missionaries, as pastors, as believers serving in ministry every day. Can you unpack a little bit how, how sin kind of dams up our access to, to the flowing streams of God that you've been talking about? Yeah. When we allow sin in our life, I mean, it's really, what we, it's really what's happening there is we're allowing sin to fill a place in our hearts that Christ wants to fill. When we choose to sin, uh, I guess uh, one illustration in my mind is like there's, there's kind of like this, this circle around us. And inside that circle is all of God's good gifts, all of God's promises to us. And, and inside that circle, and, and every time we sin, what we do is we look outside that circle and we say, hmm, I want something else more than that. And we step outside that circle to go after sin and to, and to choose that. And I use the illustration of, or not the illustration, but the, the passage in the book that talks about David and uh, just how David rejected God. And that's, that's what we're doing when we sin. We're, we're rejecting his promises. We're rejecting all of his good gifts. And we're choosing to listen to the lies of the deceiver and the lies that, that sin put into our hearts. And so we're, we're turning ourselves away from, from God, and we're, we're following after that, and we're allowing that to fill a place in our heart, and we're trying to fill a, a hole in our heart there with that. And when that happens, less of Christ fills us. Uh, less of Christ is seen in our life. Less of Christ is, is flowing through us at that point. And what God is looking for, he's, he's looking for hearts that are fully open to him, hearts that don't have any barriers in them. And when he finds hearts like this, he can flow through them unhindered. Another little different illustration I used before uh, that I found helpful to me was it's kind of like if you have visitors over to your house and you just had your kids that have been playing there, there's toys everywhere. And so you move through the house like a tornado, you throw stuff everywhere, put it in closets. If you're kind of one of the people that shoves under the beds or in the bathtub, whatever, you, you, you put everything away so it looks kind of nice. You shut the back doors of, your, of the bedrooms and stuff. And when your guests get there, you show them the front room. And many times that's what our life is like. You know, we, we, we invite God into the front room, but we don't let him go back into the bedrooms and look under the beds and in the closets and things like that. But God wants full access to our whole heart. He doesn't just want part of it. He wants hearts that are undivided, that are fully his. He wants to clean our hearts and he wants to fill every part of that. And so when we're allowing sin to get lodged in these different places and we're still kind of treasuring and hoarding it back a little bit, he's not completely filling us in the way that he wants to because we're allowing sin to remain in our hearts. And there's a few verses that God really has really, really challenged me with over the years. Uh, one of them, Second Chronicles 16, 9, where it says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. 
Uh, some other translations say whose heart is whole toward him or heart is completely his. And that just really sums up what it is God's looking for. He wants people whose hearts are completely his. And those are the ones that he's, he's filling. And just like, like water searches for, for no resistance, that's what God is looking for. When it says God is the, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless for him. They're, God's like doing this search mm. in that he's looking for hearts that are open to him. Just like when a water that's dammed up, when it gets released, it just, it flows. When God has hearts that are open to him, he flows into those hearts and he fills mm. them to overflowing. It's as we look at our hearts, that is what God is, is truly looking for in, a, in his servants. Because when we allow him to change us and push out those barriers of sin, he has full and complete control over those hearts. And when that happens, that honors him in such an incredible way. Uh, sometimes even, probably even more so than by what we do. Because we can do just like the Pharisees did. I mean, they, they did a lot of things, but their hearts weren't fully his. They, weren't, they were allowing sin to remain. They weren't trusting in him. But when we allow him to change the very core of our being and, and pushing out the sin, that honors him in a very, very different way personally. It allows him to be on the throne fully of our hearts. And by doing that, that really honors him and glorifies him in an incredible way and allows us to be a servant that's really useful to what he wants to do through us. So for the reader that's coming to your book and, and understanding this, what, what is the outcome you want? What, what are you hoping that someone takes away from? And if you were to give this book to, a, to someone on your team and say, I want this to encourage you, what is the end result? What are you trying to accomplish with it? I think if people remembered nothing else from the book, I would hope that they remember this one phrase, who you are is more important than what you do because mm. what you do flows mm -hmm. out of who you are. What we do is important, but our heart is more important. Mm. Yeah. I don't think that's something that missionaries and pastors hear enough. I mean, certainly everyday believers too, but for those who their yeah. whole eight to five, their whole vocational life, right, is, is all committed to ministry. We lose sight of that far too easily. Kyle, thank you for sharing your heart. Uh, it's great that Scott and I know you and we can do this interview because we know that this actually comes out of a life lived. You know, for so many authors, their work doesn't come out of a life lived and yours does. And so we appreciate that from you. How can people get their hands on the book and from other things that you've written? Yeah, uh, easiest way would probably be at kyleferran.com. That's K-Y-L-E-F-A-R-R-A-N.com. And uh, there's the book. You can get a link there to, to the book on Amazon. That's probably the easiest way to get the book. And uh, there's a link to my blog there. And if you want to get in touch, there's, I think, a link on there for Facebook as well. Great. And a link to our ministry site. There's some uh, leadership or development resources that you can you can find on there as well. Yeah, very cool. Worth exploring all of those. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. And we thank you, our viewers and listeners, for joining us as well. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To get more, go to missionspodcast.com or abwe.org slash podcast. Of course, before you go, remember to share the show with a friend, leave a positive rating and review that'll help get this in front of others who can be blessed by it. And you can partner with us at missionspodcast.com slash support. And we are grateful for you. Until next week, thank you for listening.